so we were contemplating whether we were going to meet outside. Um, although this would have been a year that we ha had snow on the ground. But, you know, we really should have thought ahead and taken the snow and made like an igloo. And then we could have had a little uh, snow church uh, here. But anyway, yeah, we don't get a whole lot of mornings where it's warm at this time of year. Uh, but we have had some, and we have met outside. But we'll, we'll dispense with that. But the sentiments are, they, are the same, are they not? He is risen. Amen. And so we're going to take a look this morning at the great chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. We're going to do a three-part series on that. And, of course, the, one of the reasons that we're going to look at Isaiah is because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, talks about that the, the gospel so that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And so the question is, well, what scriptures are those? And there are numerous ones, Psalm 16 uh, and others, and then also Isaiah 53. So as I looked at Isaiah 53, I really wanted to go into detail about those verses on the resurrection but there's so many other good verses in Isaiah 53 that we have to take a look at. Um, and so this, this morning, the sunrise service, we're going to see Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, as the rejected Savior. Now, I know this is the resurrection, and we are to say hallelujah, and we will. But it's interesting that even the resurrection morning, in the beginning, the disciples did not believe Christ, as it says in Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, he was the rejected Savior. During our Sunday school hour, we'll look at verses 4 through 10 as the redeeming Savior. And we're going to look at the cross. In fact, I would say Isaiah 53 centers in on the crucifixion of Christ even more than the resurrection. But... If there was no crucifixion, if there was no atonement, there would be no need for a resurrection. So we will look at that. And then during our worship service, we'll look at verses 10 through 12. There are seven phrases in those three verses in regard to the resurrection of Christ. Well, with that, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Christ. And that tells us that he had died on the cross and made a substitutionary atonement for all those who place their faith in him. Father, we thank you for this great thing. And the, the resurrection is the proof that he made atonement and the proof that he was the Son of God. And we can clearly put our faith in him and his death and his resurrection, even though we have not seen him, to which Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who believe but have not seen. So, Father, would you cause us and give us the emotion that we ought to have this morning, and that is joy and exultation in the resurrection of Christ. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so if you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 3. So, again, this is the exaltation time of celebrating the resurrection, and yet we're going to look at some verses that are kind of uh, depressing, if you will, discouraging, if you will, and yet that was absolutely true. It was true of the resurrection morning, even though Jesus on numerous occasions told his disciples that he was going to be arrested crucified, and then be raised from the dead on the third day. He told them that. And yet, Isaiah begins with, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Well, it's very interesting because we say, well, why, why are we including those verses in with the resurrection day? Well, because they're true and because they're part of it. And we see the rejection of the Jewish people. And this is really to whom this was written, was the Jewish people that rejected him. And, and it is discouraging, but we find out that even his own disciples early in the morning did not believe. In fact, in fact, they called it nonsense when the women came to them and told them what the angel had said. Nonsense. And it says they refused to believe. And yet, as discouraging all that is, Jesus did appear to them. And we find out that after he did appear to them, they did believe. And not only did they believe, but they had great joy on that Easter day. And they worshiped him. And that ought to be our response. But let's just work our way through this, these verses here. Verse 1. It says, who has believed our message? This is a prophecy as well as a question. The prophecy is going to be that his own people rejected him. In John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, this is what it says. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, specifically the Jewish people. It would certainly stretch and broaden to the world. He came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. 
And so he was rejected. This is the truth. This is what happened. Even on the resurrection morning as it's played out by his disciples. And it's very interesting in John chapter 12. As Jesus in his ministry was teaching and performing miracles. Yet there were those who did not believe. And John quotes Isaiah 53.1. It says, but though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And again, that's not just the Jewish people, not just the disciples, but it would really be the entire world. And if you think of your life... uh, Depending on whether you grew up in a Christian family or not, um, I did not, and so I did really not have faith in Christ, uh, his death and his resurrection. I really did not. I heard it, but I did not know it. I did not understand it um, And un- until the day that the Lord got a hold of my life, and I, I did understand that he died on the cross for me, and I could place my faith in him as Savior, and he would forgive me and give me eternal life. And that's because he was a risen Savior. Well, let's look at verse 2 then. There's no majestic appearance in him. Verse 2 says, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Now, what's interesting is it begins with, He grew up before him like a tender shoot. The him there is the father. And so the father certainly had a watchful eye on his son who took on humanity. But no one else did. No one else really cared about the Lord Jesus Christ other than perhaps his parents, his family perhaps. But it's, it's not like everybody was watching him all those 30 years before he entered into ministry. And by the way, when he did enter into ministry and go back to his hometown of Nazareth and share with them who he was, they were going to throw him off the cliff. And it's a, it's a huge cliff. I was there in Nazareth and saw the cliff, and they were going to throw him off that because of who he was. So, so who, who thought he was something? Not his, his own hometown, But under the watchful eye, he grew up before him as a tender shoot. And then he says this, and like a root out of a parched land. So we know what parched land is here in Wyoming. We have those drought years. And, and you know, it is amazing to me how you'll see it in the middle of summer when it's so hot and there's been no rain and it is parched. And you're thinking, how can anything ever grow here? And yet, when the seasons come and the rains come, the, the soil perks up. Well, spiritually, that was a parched land. The Jewish people were not following the Lord. But here comes this root starting to grow out of this parched land, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it begins to talk about him. And it's not so much his physical appearance. Sometimes we look at this and say, well, that must be his physical appearance that no one was attracted to him. Well, this is not really talking about his physical appearance, but rather his estate. Uh, Rather, uh, how did this king 
come into the world? How was he received? Well, he was, he was born in an animal shelter and laid in an animal food trough. He didn't have the stately majesty that is due a king, and not just a king, but the king of kings. He did not have that at all. There was such irony. And so he has no stately form or majesty. There was no, no royalty that were catering to him that we should look upon him. And then his appearance, that we should be attracted to him, meaning that you know, he didn't come in robes. He didn't come in those things. And that's the idea of this. And so, again, we see Christ who's going to bring salvation and be raised from the dead. But the Jewish people weren't getting it in the world was not getting it. And still, there's many in the world today, on this day particularly, that don't get it. But praise the Lord that we do. Praise the Lord that he's brought the gospel to us. We understand it. We're here and we're rejoicing. And thirdly, he was despised by, by men. So it's not just that people ignored him, that he was off their radar. It's not just that, and it's not just they didn't really think anything of him because he wasn't a stately king that they could see, even though he was called a king from his birth by an angel, but he was also despised and forsaken of men. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Well, despised, rejected, forsaken. Men hide their face. Despised. This is all the description in Isaiah 53.3. One writes, The prophet foresees the hatred and rejection by mankind toward the Messiah servant, who suffered not only external abuse, but also in eternal grief over the lack of response from those he came to save. And that's very interesting because in his ministry, the last three years of his life and in his ministry, there was a point when he came to Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. And of course, this really refers to the eternal son of God who was a part of uh, the bringing the Jewish people along and of course uh, even uh, appeared to them as the angel of the Lord from time to time. And even though... Christ has omniscience and knows all that's going to happen. It doesn't mean that there wasn't even some sorrow in the heart of Christ. I mean, and it comes out very much so here. And I think also, too, uh, the fact that it's going to be even his own disciples. Now, it, it's a glorious day, and he goes through with it, and he shows them himself. But when he does catch up with the disciples, he does reprove them. He reproves them for not believing. But he was not esteemed. And by the way, if you notice it here, the word we is inserted. Isaiah includes himself and sinful mankind. 
he includes himself with the Jews. He was Jewish. And he includes himself with all mankind that we did not esteem him. We did not believe in him for who he was. And the idea is that he was the one who was coming to die for our sins, to give us salvation, and then be raised to show that it was true. Well, let me now turn to the narrative, the true narrative in the Gospels of that early morning. Now, you know that they were very respectful. They, as they did most people when they died back in that time, they, they didn't. They didn't really embalm, but they put all kinds of spices so that the body would not stink. And the women are up early that morning to do what? To celebrate his, his resurrection that he was telling them about. No, to put more spices. Very respectful, but they did not believe. They did not understand. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Doesn't say anything about snow on the grass there, but that's okay. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Thinking purely about the amenities that have to be done to a dead body. Well, it says that they were perplexed. Um, when they came there and they realized the stone was rolled away. That was a little strange. But they didn't just go, oh, that's because he rose from the dead. No, they were perplexed. And it says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it says they were perplexed. They didn't understand, but there were there two men, two angels in dazzling clothing that said, he is not here. He is risen. The women were terrified and they were told by these angels. And then the angels said, don't you remember his words? And they went and went back and told the disciples. And that's the resurrection story. The disciples believed them. The church celebrated. It was fantastic. They, that's when they decided to start having sunrise services. No, no. The disciples, when these ladies came and told them, they said they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It says, but these words appeared to them nonsense, and they would not believe. The word for nonsense, the Greek word is lepros, and you know what it means? A frivolous tale. You're telling us a frivolous tale. And you're imagining now the words of Isaiah 53 that are coming true in some sense not only for the Jewish people, but on the resurrection morning, who has believed our message? And then it says they would not believe, and that's a good translation because the word means a refusal to believe. They're not going to believe. And these are, the, these are the apostles. 
Well, we do know that they went to the tomb. They ran to the tomb. Um, but they, they didn't go early in the morning to the tomb. They, they, they weren't excited about, is this the day he's going to be raised from the dead? I can't sleep, and I'm up early. No, they were home. They were sleeping, probably got woken up when they found out that the, the body was missing. They heard that from Mary Magdalene, and then the ladies came and said that an angel told us that, that he is risen. They ran to the tomb. And in John chapter 20, it says this, So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster, John, the younger. Younger men can run faster than us older guys. We're happy if we can just even run, you know, and then not have to spend two days with uh, all kinds of uh, body treatment. But the two were running together. The other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. So John looked in and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. So the linen wrappings were there, but the body was not there. And the face cloth, which had been on the head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up in a place by itself. So then the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and he believed. Now this is an interesting passage because he believed what? Well, we... I, I think we could give it to him that he believed the report of the women that he was resurrected. And so he believed that by looking at the linen cloth and saying that the body was raised from the dead, uh, came out of those clothes, took off the, the face cloth and rolled it up. And he, and he understood there must have been a resurrection. But it didn't have a big impact on him because it says, and the disciples went home. They went home. He didn't understand. In fact, that's what the next verse says. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So he believed, but he didn't understand it completely, and none of them did. And so verse 10, believing Peter still believing it was a frivolous tale, says, so the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, there is a little interlude in there. There's a little part in, in the chronology here. I'm, I'm not keeping in close chronology, but Mary Magdalene, before she saw Jesus, obviously, and she was there, and the idea was she, she didn't see the body, and she came and reported that the body had been stolen. But it is interesting, right before she did see Jesus, um, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So he's not resurrected. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? A little bit of irony there. And then supposing him to be the gardener, 
said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now, even though he approached her, and there's an irony there, and she's going to know who he is in just a moment, she originally didn't know. Now, if you do something very productive in this life, and then nobody finds out about it, you're probably, you know, probably bothers you a little bit. And you know you're not supposed to go around uh, declaring yourself that you do great things, so you don't really say anything, but it kind of bothers you. But could you imagine dying for the sins of the world, telling everyone that you're going to be raised on the third day, and even your followers don't believe you? There probably was something there, not, not that it was sinful, not that it was a bitter attitude, but Isaiah 53, he was despised and forsaken of men. Then we have the two disciples. We're still in the part before they see Jesus and know Jesus. We have the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And this, there's, there is some real irony there because here Jesus is walking with them, but they don't recognize him. And Jesus is more or less wanting to hear what they have to say. And they're saying, but we were hoping that he, it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Well, now they're not even understanding the crucifixion, let alone the resurrection, but they mention it. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. The third day. So nothing happened for three days. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but they did not see him. And so you have, still have this. So they did not understand. They did not uh, believe at that point until Jesus gave them the vision to understand who he was. We have the disciples gathered toward the evening. And... Finally, he appeared to them because they weren't going to believe the report. They weren't going to believe what he had told them. But he was going to show himself. And it says that afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And the idea is, is that, look, even if you didn't get it, you should have remembered my words. And when these women told you that the body was not there and the angel said that he has been ris is raised from the dead, you should have put two and two together. And so he was they were reproached. And then we have Thomas. So we're still at the point, more or less, at looking at them and their rejection of him, along with all the Jewish people and all the world, and still the world today. And, of course, we have the, the infamous words of Thomas. Says, so the other disciples were saying to him, we've seen the Lord. So they've seen the Lord. Of course, they were reproached. But he said to them, unless I see his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. 
Because I'm a good, reasonable person who doesn't believe anything without scientific evidence. He will repent of that. And so here you have it. You have all of these situations. In fact, when Jesus did appear then the following week to Thomas, it was a rebuke, perhaps even a gentle rebuke. Rebukes don't have to be hard. Jesus loved them. He was calling them into ministry. But there is a rebuke. He says, Thomas, come here. Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And then he also said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Is that what it took? You couldn't believe my words. You couldn't believe the words of Isaiah, although I don't think they would have probably been able to put that all together. Because you didn't even believe what the report was from angels, even though you didn't see them. So you, you, have, you have, because you've seen me now, have you believed? Is that what it took? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Or blessed are they who did not see but believe. Well, that's not the end of the story. And it is a day of hallelujah because the grief was removed by his resurrection and the appearances. And they did believe and the church was uh, gathered and people believed on him and, and, the, and the numbers grew and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus sent them and the church was born and the church grew and the word of the gospel is going on, his death and resurrection. And it was here today, somewhere in our lifetime, maybe in Wyoming is where you heard the gospel and you believed that Christ died and rose again. And so there is great joy. But there was joy for them. There was joy for them. The resurrection and the appearance of the resurrected Christ did bring joy. And by the way, that verse in, in, in John where it says, and his own received and not, the hope of the gospel is in verse 12, but as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, the authority. We were, with the moment we place our faith in him, we are his children, we are forgiven, even to those who believe in his name. Now let's kind of go back through the chronology a little bit. Mary Magdalene, when she realized it was Jesus, she clung to him. There was joy, there was affection, there was love, there was rejoicing, there was worship. This is what the resurrection is all about. And that morning it did start to come, but only after the, the rejection. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. For, and, and, and the idea is it's continuous clinging. You won't let go. Mary, let go. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. Now, uh, we, we don't want to take this verse as if to say, well, if, if uh, Mary, who was a sinner, even though she was saved, was touching the holy resurrected Jesus, this was wrong because somehow he would contaminate, contaminate heaven. That, that is not what, what is being said here. What he is saying here is, Mary, this isn't like before. I, I get it, Mary. 
I get it. But you have to stop clinging to me because I'm not here, going to be here on earth like I was for 33 years. And the last three years in ministry, I have to send to the Father. He's going to be seated at the right hand of God. He's going to have ministry to the saved. But there was joy. When the women, when Jesus met them and greeted them, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And, and of course, in that day and age, that is a sign of just absolute humility, not even worthy to be on the ground of those holy feet. And they worshipped him. There was joy. Resurrection morning, because he was raised from the dead, even though they didn't even understand all of it. And I hope that we understand most of it by the end of the day, by going through Isaiah 53. They worshipped him, and that's what we are to do as well. That's what the resurrection means. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. There's some, some drama there, but it's true. It's true events. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And so they believed, and there was this worship and, and this love for the word of God, the truth of the word of God, the truth of the word of God, where Paul said, for Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. By the way, that is the highest level of evidence, the scriptures. The other disciples, when he first appeared to them in the account of Luke, while well, they still could not believe it. Now, now this belief is not the kind of belief that they're, they're, they're agnostic, that they don't believe it. I, I know what this is. You know, we say things like that. We say things, you know, I believe it, but, it, you know, I just can't believe it. It's an expression. I just can't believe it. And you have to catch yourself. Well, no, I do believe it, but that's, you know, Sometimes, you know, you feel about your own salvation that way, that, you know, we're sinners and we know we're sinners. I can't believe he died for me. I can't believe that he forgave me. I, I, I know he did and I believe it, but I just can't believe it. It's incredible. So while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. So it's just an expression there. But notice the joy and amazement. That's what the resurrection morning is all about. He opened their eyes to understand the scriptures at that point. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Hallelujah, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And we're continually in the temple praising God. In the temple, in the church. Here we are this morning in the church praising God because of the joy, the reality, the exaltation, the hallelujah of the resurrection of Jesus. And then Thomas, when he showed himself to Thomas, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. It was words and exclamation of worship, but also doctrinal words, my God, meaning that Christ is the eternal Son of God, God the Son. 
He calls him my God. Now, if that was not true, if Jesus was just a mere prophet, even though he was resurrected, although it says that he was proclaimed the son of God by his resurrection in Romans, if that were even as true that he was a prophet, he would have said, whoa, 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 I'm not God. You need to worship God. That's what the angels did to the apostle John in the book of Revelation. But he, there was no rebuke because he was absolutely right. And he fell down and he worshiped him. And so as believers today, we should have the same joy, the same amazement. And you know, if you say to yourself, well, I, I, you know, I got up early, it's Easter morning and uh, I'm allergic to mornings. We, we, you know, I get it, I get it. That's all right, just meditate on it. Keep meditating on it. That's why we have the sunrise service to meditate on it, to get the juices flowing before we have our worship service. We should have the same joy of Jesus' resurrection even though he was rejected and experienced rejected by his people and even by his own disciples. Despite the unbelief in the world today and perhaps even our own unbelief prior to coming to Christ, despite all that, we have come to Christ and put our faith in his death where he paid for our sins, and his resurrection, where it proves that he made atonement for our salvation. The true, to the true believer, this brings about joy because we have forgiveness. I can't believe it. <laughs> and eternal life. We're going to live with him forever. Can't believe it. The resurrection proved that our sins were atoned for. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. No proof, no evidence, no reality, no truth. And by the way, he had to be raised from the dead, did he not? Isaiah prophesied, and we'll talk about that. Not only should we rejoice as believers because of the resurrection of Christ, but we should worship him even as those who first saw Jesus raised from the dead, we too should exclaim, my Lord and my God. Well, in closing, let's sing uh, one of the great hymns.